And a very good evening to you and welcome to People of Note on Classic 1027. This program is broadcast every Sunday from 6 to 8 and in it I talk to someone who is a person of note and we listen to music of their choice. And I'm very happy to say that my guest tonight is Dorothy Ann Gould. Some of you will remember a few months ago now I interviewed a young hustler, a beggar from Parkhurst called Tebojo. And many of you wrote in to say that you were very touched by that interview. And in it, he talked about Auntie Dorothy. <laughs> and so I thought it would be good to have her on the program as well. Dorothy Ann Gould, <laughs> who's an actress, teacher, and director. Welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's very nice to have you on the program. And perhaps we should start with Tebojo, who is one of your students in a project that you run. Yes, I, I don't know how Tabojo found us because we've been going since 2012, but he arrived in about October or November last year. Very personable, charming, sweetheart. And he said, could he join? And, you know, I'm, I'm worried when too many new people come, but I can never say no. So indeed, Tabojo is part of our group. He wrote a beautiful poem. I don't know. I missed the program, so I don't know if he... He did, did read his poem. Yes. Did he? Or did he, he? he uh, read it, I mean, out of his head because he knew it yes, by heart. No, he yes, he knew it by heart. And he also knew a speech by Shylock. Oh, yes. have you learned that? Yes. Well, he's never done that for me. So I look forward to seeing <laughs> that when I go there later this morning. <laughs> so d just tell me uh, about the project, uh, what it is and how it came about. I just, Richard, uh, uh, it really hurt me to see people begging and everyone making assumptions that they were going to steal their bag or that they were glue sniffers and just looking ahead and winding up their windows if there was not even a piece of rubbish there. And so I went, I heard that a church, St. George's and St. Michael's, Anglican churches, gave tea and a peanut butter sandwich on a Monday. This was in 2012. And I went, there were seven very miserable men and one woman there. And I said, do you want to learn to act? I can't promise you anything, but I'm your teacher if you want it. And we started the same day. Now, since then, we've performed Arts Alive, we've performed for the Mayor's Culinary Banquet, we've performed at Pop Art, we've performed at Space.com, uh, we perform regularly at Pizza Vino in Melville, that's our our theatre home. And one of the places he mentioned was St. Stithian's School also. Yes, St. Stithian's, oh, many schools, Help Macar. This past Saturday we were at St. James Preparatory School. Gosh, so that's, we'll hear more about that, but we're going to hear now your first choice of music, which is by Claude Debussy, La Mer, From Dawn to Midday at the Sea. That was music by Claude Debussy, La Mer, From Dawn to Midday at the Sea, the Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra under Lorin Marzell, the choice of Dorothy Ann Gould, who's my guest in People of Note. What, I know what you said what prompted you was seeing so many people at street corners begging and hustling for money, but what in your own background prompted you to do this? There must be something more to it. I mean, I know you're an actress and a teacher and director, but uh, what actually prompted you? Was it just the fact that you saw so many people being ignored? You know, Richard, I don't know why, but I can, my earliest recollections, three or four years old, I'm talking about in the mid-1950s now. Of yourself now, yes. Of myself. Yes. I, I 
all I was born into this world with incredible compassion. Um, and so even at that age, I could see that apartheid was wrong, that racism was wrong. And I, my whole sort of primary school was fighting with my family about these issues. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Durban. My dad was a fitter and turner on the railway. My mom looked after me and then she worked at the South African Permanent Building Society. Both incredibly talented, imaginative people, but because of the Second World War, it had not had a chance. So I was after helping the underdog from when I was four, five, six. And it never stopped. Um, and so, really, I don't have children of my own, sadly. So I had a lot of love and a nurturing spirit that I didn't know what to do with. Um, you know, I don't only work with those guys. I work with children in Pumalanga. I work with children in informal settlements. I work with prisoners. So I think that's just what Dorothy's service in this life is meant to be. Well, it's a wonderful thing, and it's it's incredibly rewarding. It is. Do you know, sometimes I dread going to Hillbrow because I have been semi-mugged and semi-hijacked seven times in the last three years, once at gunpoint. So I feel some trepidation when I walk into that room and everyone's saying, Mumzo, Mumzo, and the happy smiles. I, it, it just makes my week, and I know it makes theirs too because it's somewhere to go. Well, and I must say, in the case of Tebojo, uh, whom I interviewed on this program, I know that he looks forward to it every week, and he he begs for money just at the corner where my office is. And every Monday, I think it is, he says, now, I must get enough so that I can get some taxi fare to go to Hillbrow. He could walk, he said, but from my place, it's quite a long way to walk. Mm. Some so, of them do. Yeah. So yeah. to collect his taxi fare is a priority on a Monday morning so that he can come to your class. Ah, bless him. <laughs> now, the next choice is, again, Debussy. This is the famous Claire de Lune. The beautiful Claire de Lune by Claude Debussy, played by Roberta Rust. The choice of Dorothy Ann Gould, who's my guest tonight on People of Note. I'm interested in your choice. I mean, obviously, you, you enjoy French music. Well, you know, as I say, my parents were incredible people. My dad held on three jobs in order to send me to ballet, classical piano, um, painting classes, and elocution. Uh, and so, at quite an early age, I came to playing, obviously at a sort of grade four or five level, yeah. Debussy, and I found that was what I loved playing the most. And so, although my parents didn't listen to music at home, I sang in the church choir and I was a campanologist. Do you know what that I is? I do. You okay. were a bell ringer. I was a bell ringer. And um, there are not many sets of bells around, so it must no. have been St. Paul's, was it? It was St. Mary's. St. Mary's and St. Paul's were the only yeah, two. I knew that, yeah. Uh, and there was a lady who was also a bell ringer and also in the choir. And from the age of nine or ten, she used to take me to her place and play classical music to me. And I just loved it. So it wasn't from school. It was from dear Olive Carl. Were you an only child? No. My sister was 12, is, is my beautiful sister, ballerina sister. She's 12 years older than me. So she got married on my eighth birthday. So it felt like I was an, old, uh, an only child. An only child, child yes. Yeah, it did. And, and obviously your parents, uh, I, I say this in the nicest way, indulged you in these activities because they hadn't had the opportunities themselves. Exactly. It was, 
Oh, certainly on my mum's part, vicarious living. She would have loved to have been ballet dancer. She read poetry beautifully, so she would have loved to have been an actress. Um, but although they didn't have that opportunity themselves, I think I made them very proud. Oh, I'm sure certainly you did. when I was living in London and working on the West End, and do you know, I sent them a postcard or a letter every single day for five years. Jeepers. <laughs> uh, did they keep them all? My mom did, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I found them in a box after she passed away. Uh, still means something to me I'm now sure to read them and remember where I was. Yeah. Birmingham, no, Leeds. It's, a, it's a special sort of uh, archive of, of your activities. She also kept 27 scrapbooks of every review I ever got or opening night cards from people. Yeah, I know I did that myself for two years. I sent, uh, not every day, I have to say, but I kept a journal of my first two years when I left home and went to England, which which I still have. I sent it to my mother. Um, but it's it's amazing to look back through that now and see your first impressions of all of that. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, your next choice is another Frenchman, Eric Satie. It's a Gnossienne. He wrote some unusual pieces, did Eric Satie, <laughs> Gymnopedies and Gnossiennes. This is played by the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden. That was the Gnossienne number one by Eric Satie, played by the orchestra of the Royal Opera House Covent Garden. And it's part of the history of Dorothy Ann Gould, who's my guest in People of Note. How long did you stay abroad? Uh, well, I said to my husband, I'm going for six months. I stayed for five years. Um, but, of course, once I had an agent there, I, I, I commuted for 20 years. So the last time that I worked in London was actually the end of 2011. But from 1988 to then, I worked there a lot with Janet Sussman, Anthony Scher, and people. you realized early on that this was what you wanted to do? No, no. I, I wanted to be a painter. But <laughs> mom and dad said that Peter Maritzburg, where they had fine arts, was too far away, 58 kilometers. So I had to stay in Durban. And so, of course, I, I just did what I loved then. I carried on with the speech and drama and English literature. Have you ever painted? Yes. I was quite good at one stage, but you know, isn't it sad how the the coordination between hand and eye for me is slightly gone now. I find it very frustrating. I think I used to be okay, more than okay. <laughs> oh, so you've got a collection of paintings somewhere too? Uh, no, I think I've um, I've got one left. I, when I was travelling overseas, I did a lot of watercolours, and I actually sent them to mom and dad, and those have disappeared. So no, I don't. I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you've been commuting uh, and you've mentioned some names there so we need to probe into those but you mentioned Janet Sussman and Anthony Scher uh, well Janet Sussman has strong South African connections as does Anthony Scher mm, mm. and have you worked with them or have you been directed by them or have you directed them or what I've, I've worked with with both of them and been directed by them. Janet, uh, you know, she came out in 1988 to do the Othello with John Carney, which was groundbreaking in those days. People got up and walked out of the theatre. People threw oil on the seats and slipped the seats in the theatre. And um, the RV beer would book 60 seats in the middle and get up when Joanna Weinberg and John Carney kissed and walk out the theatre. There were death threats. It was a, This is 1988. 
Um, and Janet directed that. That's not so that. long ago. Well, yeah. <laughs> but Janet directed that marvelously. We didn't cut it. It was three hours and 50 minutes long. And the primary school children stood up and watched. It was really Elizabethan. Nobody left the theater. So Janet and I became firm friends then. And she went on to direct The Cherry Orchard. And it had a subsequent incarnation called The Free State. And we toured Britain with that. Um, so we've done a lot of work together, Janet and I. Were you the nurse? I was Amelia, yes. Amelia. <laughs> and that was how I got to work in London, because it was filmed for ITV. And that's how I got an agent, and that's why I went across. And Tony Sher came out here, wanted to do a production of Titus Andronicus. And it wasn't absolutely the right time. We're talking about 90. 1994 now we didn't want such a violent play here so it didn't do terribly well in Johannesburg I played Tamara but it did incredibly well at the Royal National Theatre in London Tom Stoppard said this is the best Shakespeare I've ever seen we travelled to Leeds, we travelled to Almagro in Spain, a little medieval village um, so it, it, it had a life yeah and working with people like that who are sort of icons in their field, Anthony Scher and Janet Susman, must be a very special privilege also. Well, yes, uh, of course, and especially because they were both South African. They desperately wanted to work at the Margaret Theatre. They wanted to be back here. Um, so it wasn't that they were here because they were out of work. <laughs> uh, do you know, the people that we see think are icons are just ordinary human beings. Likewise, Ethel Fugard. Uh, you, you know, I wanted to work with Ethel for 25 years, and I put a picture of him above my laptop, and I looked at it every day, and lo and behold, after a year, I woke up and opened the laptop one morning, and there he was saying, I've written this play I'd like you to do. Are you available? Uh, there's something in the power of positive thinking, Absolutely. I think. <laughs> and another... Dear, dear man, really nurturing, r fantastic director. Yeah. I think in the, in the theater world, there are many people like that. I think because they've got a good heart, basically. Well, I think if you yeah. write or act, you're trying to reflect, as Shakespeare mm. says. You're holding a mirror as to a, up to nature. And the more... The more plays you do, the more your humanity seems to expand, the bigger your heart gets. Um, and so, yeah, we are those kind of beings. And, you know, I see it now being lived out by you in what you're doing in Hillbrow and other places. Well, you know, ja these are Janet's words. She said to me years ago, these plays are like huge receptacles which hold, can hold anything we put into. And she said this to me when we were doing Hamlet, and, and that was the production where Brett Golden was murdered. Darling friend, brilliant actor. And we had to go to Stratford-upon-Avon still to perform three days later. And she is right. That's what I have found with the homeless and with the prisoners. Give them a piece where they can release their anger or their pain or their fears and they feel better afterwards. Angela Brownridge playing Gymnopedy Number no. 1 by Eric Sarti. And I love the idea of these Gymnopedy because I think Eric Sarti saw Greek vases with 
athletes on them, sort of frozen in time. And that's what inspired him to write the Gymnopédie. And I think it's such a nice idea. And I chose them because when I was 24, we did a play for Peter Turing called The Passion of Dracula. And that was our mood music behind it. So it reminds me of my youth. (laughs) (laughs) Do you still play at all? Oh, no. Not? It's not like riding a bicycle. You lose your chops. (laughs) Yeah, you have to keep up. The, the practicing, like anything, really, you yeah. have to keep it up. But I know they say if you once ridden a bicycle, you can just get on and ride again. My husband composes enough music for both of us and plays, and I've seen how his facility, his technique has improved. But he plays every day till 3 o'clock in the morning. So <laughs> well, that's wonderful. It's too. enough for one yeah. family. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, in your... Uh, work with people now, do you include music as part of it? I mean, do, do you do movement as well, or is it more on the on the acting and verbal side of things? Well, you know, Richard, I, I can only share what I know the yeah. best. What I know the best is Shakespeare, but we do world poetry, because I've always thought that poetry, there's a power and a magic that when it flows through you, I wanted to give them the right to speak, to know they had the right to speak. And the more they learn poetry and put their voices into the outside world, the better they feel. You know, it was very interesting because when uh, I met Tebojo, who's the young man through whom you and I met as well, mm. uh, I was most struck by the way he spoke. And that's what made me first ask him, what is your background? Because he spoke like uh, a young man who'd been through what we used to call a Model C school. Mm. And I thought, why is this guy begging here at the street? And then I started talking to him and he could quote, he said, I can read you or speak a poem to you. And I thought, well, that's even more odd. And then as we got talking, he said, you know, I listened to, he said, I recognize your voice from somewhere. And it's because he listened to Classic 1027. And I thought this is even more odd. (laughs) And so we started this conversation Mm. and it turned out that he was who he was. Mm. And it just proved a very interesting, uh, extremely interesting conversation. And it drew an incredible response from our listeners. So let's listen to your next piece, which is another South African, Daniel Hope, also from Durban. He was born in Durban. And this is the Violin Concerto in E-flat Major by Antonio Vivaldi. Daniel Hope with the Chamber Orchestra of Europe playing the Violin Concerto in E-flat Major by Antonio Vivaldi. The choice of Dorothy Ann Gould, who was born in Durban, as was Daniel Hope. And those of you who perhaps know the connections will know that Christopher Hope, the author, is Daniel's father. And the other son uh, is director of an opera house in Oman or Dubai or something like that. He used to be the, the manager, general manager of the Albert Hall in London, Jasper Hope now uh, in charge of an opera house somewhere in the Middle East. So an incredible family. Mm. And I keep coming across Christopher Hope because uh, he's involved with the Fain Arts Festival in uh, Hermanus. And so I see him there. An amazing family. Do you write yourself, Dorothy? No. 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 Never. Uh, 
I've I've dabbled with it, but you know, the first things that come out are always so personal. I did once send a short story into a magazine, <laughs> but no, you can't do everything, can you? And the material, I know you say you use Shakespeare for the classes that you run, and do you find that that works for them? It's, I must say, when, when uh, Tebojo read or spoke the, the speech of Shylock, it was pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. You know, I didn't quite answer your question before. I don't do movement yes. with them. Okay. I have done painting. And their paintings, a lot of the paintings were so good that they managed to sell them. Yeah. One young man sold seven of his paintings. And those are just reflecting their, their lives. And but how do you pay for these classes? Because, I mean, paint costs, venues <laughs> cost. Just give us an idea because you never know who's listening to this program, yeah. who may help in some way. You know, we have one sponsor, Lillian Isaacs, who's been amazing. There is another gentleman, um, David, who, who, who's given us some money this year. But really, Dale Howell, who helps me, she's from the church, and I really fund it ourselves. The Good Shepherd pay for the tea and the coffee and the biscuits. But whatever else we need, I mean, like new rolls of newsprint, paints, paintbrushes, we don't have at the moment because they really messed the last bunch up. So, so just tell us what, what it is you need, because as I say, you never know who's listening to this program who may be able to help in some way if it's with equipment or... so. So, paper, newsprint, paints, brushes, definitely. We need you know, costumes, we need clothes. I really think that there is nothing that we don't need. They need tinned food. Um, so, really, almost everything musical instruments, old cell phones. You know, I've got them an agent now. They all have an agent, the same agent, wonderful Michelle Aldana. And so. Sometimes she uh, will pick them up and take them to an audition. Sometimes she will even buy them clothes so they look presentable at the audition. So the clothes you're talking about are clothes for them to wear every day. You're Absolutely. not talking about costumes. No, no, I'm talking about things like shoes. When you wear shoes that don't fit, you get the most terrible corns. And then Dorothy has to buy the corn medicine. We need, they need everything from socks to toiletries. And how do people contact you? What is the simplest way? I think the simplest way is for me to just hand out my telephone number. Are you happy to do that? <laughs> I'm happy to do that. It is 083-651-4461. And we'll give that out later again. That's Dorothy Ann Gould, 083-651-4461. Looking for anything clothes food newsprint books books paintbrushes mm. paints they love reading they really do so there you are uh, i'll give that number out again a bit later Thank you. but right now we're going to hear the meditation from thais by jules massenet the wonderful joshua bell playing the meditation from thais by jules massenet he was joined by the royal philharmonic orchestra under andrew lytton you're listening to People of Note on Classic 1027 with me, Richard Koch. My guest tonight is Dorothy Ann Gould, actress, teacher, and director. Keith Jarrett playing the piano, Blame It on My Youth. <laughs> now, one of the people you specially asked for was Keith Jarrett. What is the interest in Keith Jarrett? 
I think it's probably his improvisational quality because of course acting has a lot requires a lot of improvisation I, I was lucky enough to see him live at the Queen Elizabeth Hall and you know he doesn't even realize that he's grunting and moaning and making and and definitely stamping his foot for the rhythm as he plays so it's a performance it really is. Yeah, it's a bit like Glenn Gould, who used to do the same sort of thing. You'd hear him sort of muttering and breathing and yeah, yeah. moving around. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Performing's dangerous and exciting. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still performing? Yes. Yes. I, I never wanted to do a one-woman show, but then I read, when I was working in New York, Joan Didion's book um, called The Year of Magical Thinking after her husband died and she was trying to come to terms with it and she felt she'd gone crazy. And that book made a profound effect on me between the passing of my mom and dad. And when I heard that a one-woman show had been written, I wanted to do it. So that brought me back to the theatre with the most wonderful director, Mark Graham Wilson. I did that last year and I was nominated for a Fleur de Cap and nominated up here for a lady. Um, but... Uh, I'm doing a show for Peter Turing called Family Secrets, and that'll be on at the Monte Cassino in July and at Camps Bay Theatre in Cape Town in August. Gosh, though, you're still extremely active. <laughs> you make it sound like I'm 80 years old. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite active still. I'm only 66 this year. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's fantastic that that you can be as active as you are and still do the other work that you do in Hillbrow and Mpumalanga and these yeah. places. Just tell us tell us a bit more about, for example, Mpumalanga. We've only talked about Hillbrow. Well, that is under the auspices of Sancta, the South African National Community Theatre Arts, run by a man, the chairman is Noel MacDonald. Um, and I was asked to be a, an adjudicator with my husband some... Oh, 11 years ago and I felt that the playing field really needed to be leveled. You can't have young people from Pumalanga writing their own play up against Kiss of the Spider Woman from King David's. So I said please can I be your patroness and my husband your patron and we will come out to Pumalanga and train and we've been doing that for 11 years. Fantastic. <laughs> And you see, one of the things that I often think about this is that musicians, actually, we can go on as long as we want to go on. Mm. And I think it's a bit the same with actors and actresses. Of course it is. Yeah. You have to embrace where you are, certainly yeah. with acting. Yes. I have to accept that I look like a crone and that I'm going to get cast as the old psychic herbalist. But I don't mind. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, I mean, stories have people of mature years in them so well, you yeah. need appropriate actors yes. for that. I've been lucky enough to do seven international films and television series in the last few years and it was things like Troy, the fall of a city playing, you know, the midwife I love costume dramas, I love period work, so fabulous and I played Charles Dance's wife and the widow this year. Wonderful <laughs> Well here's someone who died very young Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, this is the third movement of his clarinet concerto. The third movement, the rondo from the clarinet concerto in A major by Mozart. Sabine Meyer was the clarinetist with the Dresden State Orchestra conducted by Hans Fonk. The choice of Dorothy Ann Gould who's an actress, teacher and director and as you can hear someone who gets involved in community work. And I think actually that musicians and actors fortunately are part of a big community 
and and you realize actually in a way how small the community is because it's a worldwide community and everybody knows somebody and yeah. that's the wonderful thing about it absolutely well that Taboho and I have sat in the I same know. seat is terribly exciting and you know something Richard I never try to take away anyone's root accent because that's where the color and the flavor and the vibrancy lies but sometimes when I shut my eyes some of my guys have obviously tried to copy me and I could be listening to the Richard the third from somebody at the Royal Shakespeare Company uh, but we've also we're also translating into Isizulu and Isikosa and I think that is important if my men feel the stories are powerful and they want to share them with their community so Michael Mazibuko has translated Macbeth and also Sonnet 25 into Isizulu why do you say my men what do I call them my sons <laughs> but they're not they're no women no, they aren't. They are. They, over the years, they have been. When I first met them in 2012, there was Thule, and I loved Thule, but she disappeared. Then there was Zinzi. You know, I don't want to tell you all this very, very sad stories about them on the air on your Sunday night. But uh, so Zinzi also left us, moved back to Cape Town. And most recently, we had Spokazi. I'm always happy she's gone back to New Brighton. I'm very happy when people go home because that means that something has changed in their hearts. Yeah, and funny enough, that was something that Tebojo brought up as well, mm. uh, because he'd sort of lost contact with home, I mm. think. And on the program, we discussed how important home is mm. and having a root or roots somewhere. Absolutely. I mean, even if you think of Ethel Fugod's play, Hello and Goodbye, which I did with my husband and I performed in with Anthony Scher as well, Hester has been a prostitute in Johannesburg, but she has to go home. It's the only home she knows in Port Elizabeth. And I, I long to go back to Durban. And when I do, I smell, as soon as I get to Hillcrest, I can smell the sea. Yeah, and also that the sort of, uh, and I mean this in the nicest possible way, but the damp and the mustiness in a way of Durban. And, yeah, it's a very particular smell. It is. Um, and we're going to explore this in a <laughs> moment too. Okay. But let's listen to the waltz of the flowers talking of smells. This is by Tchaikovsky with the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra. That was the wonderful Waltz of the Flowers from the Nutcracker Suite by Tchaikovsky, the Cincinnati Pops Orchestra under Erich Kunzel. We're going to come to scent in a moment because we were talking about that just before we heard the Tchaikovsky. But uh, ballet has obviously played a big part in your life as well. Do you, do you love ballet? I, I do, but my sister was the ballerina yeah. of the family. However, I did start training from the age of three because my sister was a ballet teacher and she was offered a scholarship to the Royal Ballet, but she didn't go at that stage. I don't think there was the money or something in the family. Uh, b but music is, and well, you're going back to smells you're talking about. You yeah. know, Ethel Fugard says use all your senses. And I think any artist, whether you're a musician or whether you're a ballerina or whether you're an actor, you need to know what does it smell like? What am I hearing? What can I see? What can I feel on my skin? And, and you've been very involved, obviously, in various churches. And I always find that churches have a very particular smell about them. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I come from a, a sort of high church tradition. Mm -hmm. In Cape Town, I was a member of the uh, parish of in Observatory, St. Michael's Observatory, which was very high church. 
So there was always that sort of lingering smell of beeswax. Well, yeah, well, of all course, of that, the incense all of that. and uh, this, yeah, the and smell I, of pews. And old churches. Then I spent eight years in the UK. And old churches have a very particular smell of stone and wood and yeah. dust and things. I couldn't agree more. There's, yeah. a, there's a tour that you can do in the UK of cathedrals from York, to, and you actually end up at Tintagel or something. And I got to ring the bells at Canterbury. Yeah, uh, now talk to me about <laughs> these bells also, because that's <laughs> another interesting thing. There are very few peals of bells around South mm. Africa. Mm. Uh, I know there are two in Cape Town, two in Durban. There's at least one here. There, some of the city halls have uh, bells, but not to pull the ropes. They're more played they from a keyboard. Oh, yeah. okay. um, but they're not many, so it's quite interesting that you got involved in bell ringing. And at a very young age, I think I was 10, so I was ringing the treble. But during the week, we would practice on handbells, which had this lovely leather strap. Um, it was the days of miniskirts. I'm sure they just kept me there because they liked the fact that my dress went up and down. <laughs> but on, at New Year, we would ring a marathon. We would ring for four hours. And, you know, we it was a grandsire doubles, grandsire treble, Bob Minor. So it was quite complicated. And there's the wonderful Nine Tailors, is it, by Dorothy Sayers? There's, there's some story about bells. One of her uh, mysteries is about oh. bell ringing. It's a wonderful story. I, I, Lord Peter Whimsey. Okay. Ah, you better explore that. <laughs> <laughs> well, here comes the famous Moonlight Sonata. This is the first movement. That was the famous Moonlight Sonata, the first movement, Piano Sonata Number no. 14 by Beethoven, played by Vladimir Ashkenazi. Uh, it's the only piece that I can still get from beginning to end. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. And funny enough, uh, Ashkenazi uh, used to spend holidays in Durban. No. He did. Uh, I once spoke to him when he was staying on holiday in Durban. I was amazed to Gosh. discover. Yeah. He never... I don't know if he, maybe he did play here once, but certainly he took his holidays in Durban. It was extraordinary. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. So you see, more connections. With, more connections. With Six degrees of separation, they yeah. say. Yeah. Um, now, what about Durban? I, I know it nurtured you. Uh, I, these days, it seems to be slightly off the circuit for music and theatre. Elizabeth Snedden, of course, was amazing in Durban with all the things she yes, did. Yes, and in the music department, Chris Ballantyne, who I was a great admirer of, and then Brubeck, of course. Um, I have a friend who teaches opera in Durban now, Inez Russell. Um, but it does seem a bit off the circuit, you know, even in... in the first 15 years of my career, we always toured to Durban and we toured to Cape Town. That doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, well, there were a lot of tours that went on mm. in days gone by. I mean, the, the um, arts councils used to tour things all through the provinces, yeah. which is also gone now, I'm afraid, which is, which is quite sad. However, I think people are now picking themselves up and doing things for themselves. There are lots of very active music societies around the country now. Maybe there are drama societies around oh, the country. Oh, there are. Definitely Tell in us Cape a bit Town. About it. Yeah. Well, 
uh, you know, in Johannesburg, we have pop art. We have this new pop-up theater where you can, and I do that myself. Uh, my husband and I will invite friends around, put our chairs, and read David Hare's The Breath of Life with myself and Jenny Stain. And I had friends around last night, and they said, please carry on doing that. In in Durban, there was the Magnet Theater. Um, Stephen Stead is doing wonderful work. In Cape Town, there are lots of little venues, the Alexander Bar and they literally are pop-up theatres. So that's from people's love. If I'm not going to sit at home and wait for work, I'm going to make it myself. Yeah, and I think that's what we all have to do. Absolutely. I mean, we, we've had to do it as musicians also uh, since the, the removal of the arts councils and all the work that they used to do. Mm. Uh, people now have to do it for themselves. Yeah. And you are doing exactly that. And here comes Keith Jarrett. This is Invocations. Amazing music by Keith Jarrett. That was called Invocations. And Keith Jarrett on saxophone. I th did I always think he was a pianist? Or did yes. He play? Yes. So yeah. maybe someone else was playing the saxophone. I'm just reading uh, what's, what it says on the list here. Oh. But I'm sure uh, maybe it's a piece by him. Keith Jarrett, Invocations. The choice of Dorothy Ann Gould, who's my guest in People of Note, actress, teacher, and director. And I'm going to give that phone number again because uh, we're coming towards the end of the program. And for her projects, she's on the lookout for clothing, food, shoes, books. newsprint, <laughs> books, paints, paintbrushes, anything that can be used by the project. So if you want to get hold of her, here's her number, 83 651 And do you have an email? Dorothy Ann Gould, one word, and there's no E on the Ann. Dorothy Ann Gould at gmail.com. That's easy. Yeah. Dorothy Ann Gould at gmail.com. Dorothy Ann Gould, that's G O U L D and A N N. Dorothy Ann Gould at gmail.com. Well, I hope that you get lots of calls and lots of emails yeah. uh, and lots of goods that you can use for your classes. Well, that would be fantastic. How, how many people in the class, just as a matter of interest? You know, it's it's variable at the moment. They're, they're between 16 and 22. And when I, the, the ones that make up to the 22 don't come every week, and we need consistency for, because we perform yeah. so much. But I do know from uh, Tebojo uh, that he's very keen on being there mm. every week, so he obviously gets a lot out of it. Yes, people only don't come when they've got a job, and I'm thrilled when they've got a job. Yeah. But we have a website as well, Johannesburg Awakening Minds, which is the name they gave themselves, JAM. Um, and also we're on YouTube. We've been recorded twice by the BBC. So if one looks at BBC Business, there's a, a rather nice documentary on us there. Okay, give us the first website again. Johannesburg Awakening Minds. So it's www.johannesburgawakeningminds.co.za, I would think. I am such a technophobe. <laughs> You've caught me out. <laughs> All right, but there's lots of mm. information there um, for our listeners. Uh, your telephone number again, 083-651-4461, 083-651-4461, dorothyanngould at gmail.com, Johannesburg Awakening Minds, 
And you say, is there a sort of podcast of the BBC as well? Can you yes, find that on YouTube? that's on YouTube. Yeah. And it, it was recorded for their business program yeah. last year. Yeah, so lots of ways of getting in touch with this project and with Dorothy Ann Gould. So no one can avoid the next question. Have you heard? This is Pat Matheny. That was Pat Matheny with a piece called Have You Heard? And you have heard right here on Classic 1027 about this amazing project of Dorothy Ann Gould, which happens in Hillbrow, but also there's a uh, another project which happens in Mpumalanga, where in Nelspreet is it, or where is it? We meet in Kinross, and people are bussed in from as far as Folksrust, Piet Retief, Ermelo. Amazing. And there is amazing talent in South Africa. Oh, there is. Yeah. You know, that's what I missed when I was working in London a bit, although I'm glad I learned that reserved kind of style. But we we are sensual. We're, we're passionate people. And each and every one of my students is as well. That's a fantastic story. So there you are, listeners, an amazing story. Dorothy Ann Gould, actress, teacher, director. And I'm just going to give you those details once more before we finish People of Note. Email Dorothy Ann Gould, that's Ann, just A-N-N-G-O-U-L-D, Dorothy Ann Gould at gmail.com. 083-651-4461 is how you get in touch with her. They need all sorts of things for their project. So I've talked about them before, but you can find out from Dorothy yourself if you would like to ring her. But it sounds like an amazing project. And as I say, I heard about it through this young man, Tebojo, who uh, is a beggar at the corner just outside my office. And he told me all about it. And that's how I got hold of you. Hopefully so, not for much longer. <laughs> he will he be I a have, beggar. Well, funny enough, just recently he's been off to talk to someone about going back to school to, ah, to learn something. Brilliant. So, uh, And that came about as a result of this program which is People of Note on Classic 1027. That's what you've been listening to. Thank you, Dorothy. Thank Ann. you, Richard, for inviting me. It's, it's been lovely. <laughs> and thank you, Pete, for helping us put it all together. Thank you. And until next time, from all of us here at Classic 1027, we wish you a very good night.